loyalty to Rangers is what binds us. And together, we are stronger. Launching for the 2021 season, the MyJers membership programme is a new way to get even closer to the club you love. It's the one place where you can access benefits like ticketing priority, club discounts and exclusive competitions and experiences. There's even a limited edition welcome gift when you join. Visit rangers.co.uk slash MyJers to join today. Always Rangers, always loyal, always rewarded. Hello and welcome to the Four Lads Had a Dream podcast. I'm Chris Jack of the Herald and Evening Times and we are joined today for the second time uh, for part two of his Rangers story by a uh, nine row hero, Hall of Famer and former Rangers manager, Stuart McCall. Stuart, how are we? Good, Chris. Thank you very much. Oh, always great to have you on. Really enjoyed the uh, chat in the first half of the show and uh, my colleague and uh, a sidekick on the podcast, as always, is Mr Stephen Clifford. Stephen, how are we? I'm good, Chris. Looking forward to this. Um, first part, as you said, was really good with Stuart, so I'm looking forward to hearing about this. Stuart, we rounded off part one by talking about your uh, Sheffield United uh, time, and also that was your first step into, into a proper coaching job, but it wasn't your, your first time in the, in the dugout. Uh, that happened during your, your time at Bradford. Uh, and the guy in the opposite uh, dugout for your very first game was a certain Walter Smith. Uh, talk us through that one. It certainly was, that's right, yeah. I think it was Chris Hutchins who'd been sacked at Bradford winning the Premiership and I got asked, because I was assistant manager at the time, if I would take on the, uh, the role until they got a manager in, which ended up being uh, Jim Jeffries. Anyway, the first game up was, was uh, the Gaffers Everton, that's right, yeah, and uh, I was playing, playing at the time and we played and it was a, obviously my old team, Everton, uh, the gaffer and Archie on the other side. Uh, and I remember we, uh, Gary Naismith, um, who was at Hearts, um, played for Scotland as well, scoring really deep into the game, 1 0. And I remember afterwards, uh, you know, the, the gaffer and Archie have a, a glass of wine afterwards or a beer. And, you know, Walter telling me, you know, see, it's, you keep to play and this management likes not as easy as he made it look. So, yeah, it was, um, to be honest, if I was going to get beat by anyone, it would be. You know, if it would be in Everton, and it certainly would be by the gaffer. So, yeah, it was um, it was uh, quite weird actually being in the being in the manager's office after the game. You know, being up against the up against the gaffer and nearly nicked a point. But uh, as I say, we Naismith scored later on to to give him a one 0 win. In terms of uh, managerial and coaching, uh, kind of guys that you learned from, also you take a lot from Walter and Archie Knox, having seen them at a junior time at Rangers. You go to Sheffield United, and how big an influence does Neil Warnock become on you in terms of your you know, coaching aspirations and your managerial aspirations? So, a guy hugely experienced uh, and a quite a character, I'm, I'm guessing, as well. Yeah, certainly so. Um, I've got to be honest, again, I, I didn't know too much about Neil. He'd managed in the lower levels. Um, I'd been up in Scotland for, for a lot of the time. Um, and I was 38 as a player leaving, and I, I drove down from Leeds to Sheffield. It's a matter of what, four, 45 minutes. And on the way down, I made a couple of calls to ask, you know, people about Neil. And the four people said to me, "says Listen, it won't be your cup of tea. You know, it won't be my cup of tea. He's a bit hot-headed. He's, he's this, he's that, whatever." And when I, I got to got to Sheffield, I thought I'd always made my mind up almost. This doesn't sound great, but when I got there and I met him. I thought you've got to take people on face value, and he's he's bring me there to play, um, and then we ended up getting a you know as I said I went on to play eighty odd games for Sheffield United. And he did things differently. He always said his time, the best time for him, or the when he he shown was was before the game and at half time. You know when he when he thinks he, he wasn't a great tactician, Neil. He wasn't. It let me later on in, in the, when I became assistant manager he would sometimes stay down south until maybe even the Thursday he'd let me take training Monday, Tuesday which for my development was fantastic um, and he'd let me do you know a lot of things in coaching so on that part of it was great it was a, the, the sort of man management side of it, if you like um, you know he would try to demand and get every last bit out of the players um, and people that I spoke to who played under him you know, five and ten years before, and now we're playing for him. People like uh, Craig Shots it certainly started to mellow. Um, you know, and it it, it it calmed a little bit. But no, it, it was it was certainly different to anything that I'd come across in the way he went about things. You know, quirky at times. Um, but certainly, yeah, I certainly learned a, a lot of positive things. 
and it was it was certainly an experience playing playing under him and then managing him alongside him. Yeah. When you then finally get the chance to be a manager in your own right, it's probably only one place it was ever going to begin for you. Now you go back to Bradford once again. Was there a trepidation taken over considering where the club were and how things have been going for them and not, not the easiest time to, to go back in there? No, I, listen, it, it, when you look back at it, the number of people that said to me it wouldn't be the right decision, but I let my heart rule my head because we at Sheffield United at that stage, we, we were in the Premier League and I was assistant to, to Neil. And the last game of the season went down. I don't know if you remember the old Tevez saga that he played for three clubs. He, he scored the winning goal for West Ham at Manchester United and we got beat at home to Wigan. Um, I think if we only needed a point to uh, to stay up in the Premier League. Um, but prior to that, a month before, I'd got a call from uh, Bradford's sort of chairman um, asking me would I be interested at the end of the season. They were in Division uh, 1 at that stage, but they, they were going down. They were getting relegated to the bottom tier. Uh, and I, you know, I think well, I'm a Premier League club here. Do I want to go down to the bottom tier? Anyway, as it transpired, you know, Sheffield United get relegated, um, and also Bradford get relegated. But Neil gets sacked, um, and I think it was Brian Robson who came in. Um, so it was time to me, me, me to move on. Although there was got told before Neil got sacked, you know that you know there would have been an opportunity. Had an interview, um, they would have maybe probably kept me on on the in the staff in some capacity. But, you know, I, I looked at it, it was sort of, I got sort of pleaded with, would I come please and help? The club had just gone down at the bottom. And I said in my heart, room my head, do I look back and regret it? No. I knew it was difficult times. Um, but it, it, it got me cutting my teeth. And, uh, you know, it certainly was difficult. Um, I'd gone from, as I say, playing or coaching Premier League players to coming to the bottom, bottom tier. Didn't know the standard, didn't know any players. It took a while to get to grips with it, but um, you know, I still enjoyed some good moments. You do have a couple of seasons at, at Bradford, and they're really difficult and trying times. How much did that create shape your, your managerial outlook? And uh, if you're going to go in and you're going to learn on the job, that's a really difficult place to go in and, and do it. But do you feel that experience then stood you in good stead for the work then forward later on in your, in your managerial life? Well, it certainly did because I, I remember in the you know, a couple of seasons down there at Bradford, we were up against, I think, Paul Lambert at Wickham, uh, Paul Ince at MK Dons, Darren Ferguson at Peterborough, and they all had the squads and budgets that, you know, we, we couldn't even get anywhere near. So you had to learn then to sort of try to get the best. Never, I never one that would scribble or moan about a budget. If you got a budget, that's your budget, you get on with it, you deal with it. Um, so that was the case, and yeah, you know, you're going in for players that you can't afford and the other teams are going to take them. But see, the assets of me for a manager are two things. Your recruitment, which is huge, although that's probably going out of it a little bit now with director of footballs and all this. But certainly your man management. You know, and I think my thing is life, you've got to try to get the best out of what you've got, no matter what it is. You can't moan and worry about it. Just do the best. Yeah, there's lots of times in my managerial career I've lost some good players that I've targeted because of cover money we just didn't have the money and they've gone on to be really top players but that's that's what it is um, so I think that at Bradford it, it learned me to say do good kind about it get on this is the circumstances deal with it and do your maximum as a person as a manager as a leader to get the best out of what you've got um, so in that regard and obviously going into my second job at Motherwell that, that held me you know it got me really ready for it you mentioned the mother there. It's December 2010 when you come back up the road. You uh, succeed uh, Craig Brown as, as mother manager. And you go on there to have some really great times. Obviously, some lofty uh, league finishes, uh, some great European nights as well. How would you reflect on that on, on that time there? And also, when it comes to your decision to leave Motherwell, I know you, you said at the time you felt it was, the right, it was the right time. Is there any kind of regret in thinking, well, you can maybe have stayed on? Because I think the... There was a, a feeling amongst the fans and certainly amongst the press boys that nobody really expected you to go at that time considering how well you'd done over the, over the previous couple of seasons. Yeah, well, I've got, I've, to be honest, I mean, the Motherwell thing came about, I got a call. I wasn't looking, actively looking for work when I came out of Bradford because it sort of hit me a little bit, you know, how difficult management is. And at that stage, I think only 50% of the managers that managed first time and not really, you know, succeeded, never got another job. Anyway, cut a long story short, an agent rung me up and asked me if I would be interested in 
going speaking to Motherwell. Well, it was, you know, I think it was 16th of December it was actually. And I'd never had an interview in my life. And I was actually going up to, 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 to Glasgow to deliver Christmas presents, believe it or not. So I said, yeah, I'll go up. Um, never give it a thought about managing Scotland or anything like that. Didn't know, know a great deal about Motherwell, obviously, you know, unless when I used to play against them. But I knew Craig and Archie had moved on to Aberdeen. So I went up, had a chat, um, went really well. And I came back, I was a 16, I then, I think, you get beat against Hearts. And then they played Rangers on Boxing Day on the 26th. And I remember watching that, and the Rangers won at third part 2-1. Because um, it was the first time I'd watched the game, not sure if I wanted Rangers to win it or not. Because I thought, if I'm going into Motherwell as manager, or if I'm going to get a chance of winning Motherwell manager, you know, we were, I think Motherwell were fifth or sixth at the time, and you know, the end day was to try to get in the top six. Anyway, I, I got a call. I, I got a call the day after that saying they'd like me to go up, and I went up and I, I signed on the day. They actually went to to Celtic Park, and got beat one 0 against Celtic, and um, you know, so they'd lost three on the bounce when I went in. And uh, my debut game was um, a derby against Hamilton, which drew nil nil, which was a really dreadful game, but. Uh, yeah, so that was the start of it. I think the two things I got told when I went in at Motherwell was, um, and I was just grateful to be in the game and getting a second opportunity at a, you know, a Scottish Premiership club. So was to try to finish in the top six, sneak a top six because we didn't have a top six budget, and sell a player each year. Well, inside my first, first month or first week, um, Mark Reynolds left for Sheffield Wednesday. He was an integral part of the team. Top goal scorer was on loan, left, went back to Blackburn, um, and it was a struggle. But we managed to to reach in the first, you know, the, the four months to the end of the season, we managed to to finish six, which you know was uh, was what was asked for to try to get in the top six before the split. Um, but we reached the Scottish Cup final, which was the first time for Motherwell in twenty years. So that gave us a good base to build on. Um, I inherited some good professionals, your Lasleys and Hamels and Craigans and the like. Um, Got the Scottish Cup final. Uh, unfortunately, Celtic got three lucky goals against us and we got beat. But to get there was, was, was fantastic and it built us up for the seasons after. But the, the, the memo was still the same. You know, the, the next season, um, you know, for us to finish sixth, we were punching above his weight. So to go that season and finish third, you know, was, was un- unbelievable, really. And then the season after, um, to go and, uh, go and finish second, um, and by the, you know, at that stage, Hearts had still had a really good side. Dundee United had a top side. Hibs were still up in that, you know, you know, decent squads. Um, Rangers and Celtic at the time, obviously, Rangers came out of it, you know, the, the season after. Um, so to do that was beyond any any wildest of dreams, you know, to to for for Motherwell to run out to Champions League football. Um, but then going to the the, the the one season we lost seven first team players. You know, and I know people lose two and three players. We lost seven regulars. The Darren Randolphs and Higdens and the Yamas and Laws and Murphys, Haitleys and Humphreys and you know, the time was probably to go. I got so many people telling me you can't do any more, you can't do any more with Motherwell now, you're losing all your team. And I, I went down and, you know, I spoke to Sheffield United, um, Motherwell gave me the opportunity to go speak to them. I spoke to them, they offered me the job uh, in the championship. Um, Barry and I had five great seasons there but for different reasons you know I, I still felt a real sense of loyalty to Motherwell because they'd given me the opportunity um, you know, could I just cut short run and then when the, you know, the team had broken up or was it a big challenge to try to build a new one and try to do better in the cup competitions I could still work for Scotland while working at Motherwell I couldn't do it for Sheffield United if I was down at Sheffield United and maybe the budget at Sheffield United wasn't going to be as big or hopefully as strong to challenge so um, against all odds and against everyone's sort of wishes, not wishes really, but advice, you know, I, I stayed on and, you know, we, we, we'd lost all the, you know, our top players and, you know, we, we brought the, the points tally the year before in Premier League, we got 62 points, that season we got 63. So this season going into it, it was a case of we're really going to have to do his best and get the best out to finish in the top six. But can we, you know, we, at that time, I think the likes of Kilmarnock and St. Johnson were getting the cup finals and winning cup finals and was it Ross County or Inverness? And, and you know, I thought, well, why can't Motherwell do it? Unfortunately, we couldn't. But that season, which there's, we didn't have anything like the side we had had the previous two seasons, we ended up, you know, with 70 points, which, you know, and, and I think how it happened, to, to beat Aberdeen the last game of the season with almost the last kick of the ball from a player who was on a pound a week, 
probably epitomised my time at Motherwell, as in getting the best out of what we had. And uh, as I said, to finish top six, we were punching above his weight. But to finish third, second, second, and I probably, again, with my Rangers background, the, the probably the best moments, obviously, other than the European uh, getting to Europe, we beat, we beat Rangers twice, in, uh, beat Rangers, we never beat Rangers once, we beat Celtic twice at home in the same season and then we beat them again in, in, in another season. So to beat their side and they had a top side at that time as well, three times, was some achievement. Um, and I always get a little bit of stick, you know, now that, well, it's funny how you never managed to beat Rangers. But I always remember we t- once took a point off Rangers nil-nil at Ibrox, but, you know, everyone used to think, I, we, I used to get my players to try harder than I did against Celtic. Now, you know, obviously that's, nonsense but uh, yeah it was uh, it was nice to play a part in one season that you know managed to Rangers to win the league when we managed to beat Celtic but uh, yeah unbelievable memories and then and then going into the the, the last season when I left with, with I had three and a half myself and Kenny who played a you know huge part in it as well um, one me just I said the football club was, was so successful and let's say for, for them three or four years it was great moments I think it's the last time they'd ever been in Europe so um to then start the next season, you know, we, we got knocked out of Europe, but I think in the first, we'd only won two out of 11 league games. And I, I, and I just felt, sometimes you have a, a, a life where I'm saying the same things to the same players and trying to get them to respond. And I just felt for the good of, for Motherwell as much as myself, um, it was time to just to, 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 to leave and let somebody else come in who, with fresh ideas and a fresh impetus to, to get the team going again. And, uh, you know, there was times before I could have left. I probably could have doubled my wages at Sheffield United, and I stayed loyal to Motherwell, um, which I don't know a lot of people really know that. But you know, when it came to it, I just felt it was not only the right decision for me, but probably just as important the right decision for Motherwell. And I remember speaking to Flo Alan Burrows there, um, who was a fantastic guy, and he did everything he could to try to talk me out of it. But I just felt I didn't have any answers anymore. And I think as a manager, when you get to that stage, you know, no good trying to carry on and carry on. And, you know, there was talk about somebody going in at Motherwell, a new owner, you know, and if a new owner comes in, there'll be a new manager and you'll get paid off. But I wasn't in it for that. I, I took the decision to step down to somebody else come in and, and, and do a better job because that, you know, the first part of that, that last season was, was, was disappointing compared to what we'd done. And, you know, I, the only aim would then be to try to get a top six. But when you finish second, second and third, that that's not a, an ambition anymore. So I just felt it was the right time to leave. Um, and, you know, after, you know, I'd like to say three and a half, four, four brilliant seasons. Loved my time at the club. You mentioned the uh, Scotland job there, Stuart. We didn't really touch on your international uh, time during uh, part one, talking about your, your playing career. Perhaps just to sum up your, your Scotland playing career and your, your Scotland coaching career. You also went in there under, under Gordon. And again, a okay, frustrating one or uh, some... Some good times, but not as uh, also not achieving what you uh, set out to achieve in terms of getting Scotland back to the, the back to the major finals that you played at as a, a junior playing days. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, going back to my, my playing career, um, you know, I, I, I made my debut which was late on actually. I think it was I was twenty six, um, and I made my debut against the the, the World Cup holder at the time, Argentina, sold out Hamden. Um, and I remember knocking the ball down for another debut in Stuart McKimmy to win 1-0. And, you know, he couldn't have had a better start, you know, to, to again, another dream fulfilled to play at Hamden, to play for Scotland in front of a full full house and, and to beat the World Cup champions or the World you know, Cup holders at the time, Argentina 1-0 was incredible. And then to go on and obviously play um, in Italia 90, um, I managed to get my one and only goal in that get again. I'm always deadly from a yard. I think I scored it with my three studs. But, um, yeah, and as I said, the family, once you've scored in the World Cup, you don't want to bother scoring all these Mickey Mouse qualifying games. So I only scored one goal in 40, but it was at the World Cup. So that's that's my excuse. But then again, yeah, to go on and play 92 and 96, to be the only Scottish player to play every minute of every game in all them tournaments makes me proud as well. You know, all nine games. Um, disappointingly missed out not going to World Cup in 98, but, you know, I, I'd been out of the game with my knee for 11 months. So that was that. But then to get a call out of the blue to go and meet Gordon and uh, Mark McGee at a place in uh, Glasgow was, you know, I'd never, I didn't know Gordon. Um, I respect him as a player and as a manager. And, 
you know what he's done you know for the country and and where he went about as in how he played and performed for Scotland and then he came now obviously to Leeds United played against him in the Champions League games but I'd never met him um, personally I didn't know him and for him to ask me to go and be part of the coaching staff was a great honour um, and again learned so much about him not even just on the training ground but just sitting discussing football as a huge football manager you know and um, his ideas on the game so yeah I, I learned so much from Gordon um, regarding he, he, he loved it as I Neil didn't mind being or didn't really want to Neil want, want Keenan being on the training ground Gordon loved to be on the training ground he could learn so much from him so yeah and as you say you know we had some decent high times you know we you know beating the, the, the Republic at home um, and having some other really good results but just couldn't manage to get to the to the uh, one of the tournaments which we, we so dearly wanted to do unfortunately Three months after leaving Motherwell you become Rangers manager I think you you said it at the time I can remember speaking to you at the time saying that you weren't in the market you weren't looking you, you didn't have your eye on the Rangers job as the as the things were un, unfolding with Eric Coyste in the or the weeks and months yeah. before how how did you find you know, the club that you walked into and the, and the situation you walked into was it okay, mixed, mixed feelings because I'm assuming the chance to be Rangers manager, a lifelong ambition, a dream come true, but you walk in at a really difficult time for the club. Yeah, I, I, listen, I think first and foremost, you know, I've heard things over the years which are absolutely ludicrous, some from a couple of Motherwell supporters as well, which, you know, I find astonishing that if anyone thinks I actually left Motherwell so that one day I would become Rangers manager, couldn't be further from the truth. Um, I never thought for one second, never even give it a, a dream or a thought that I would ever become you know, Rangers manager. So that was nonsense. I left Motherwell because it was the right time to leave Motherwell for them. And I thought I would probably end up going back down to England. And especially after the CV I had at Motherwell, I probably you know, could have gone out a couple of opportunities to go back to England. Um, but I was doing the Rangers games because I was, I was working for the TV and I was seeing Coyce regular after games. And you know, I felt for him because I knew everything he was going through there. And it was such, so difficult times. Um, but then obviously he, he ends up um, leaving. Uh, and then, you know, I think John Gilligan, Paul Murray and Dave King come in and I never give it a, a second thought, you know, and, and I knew Kenny was there, um, Kenny McDowell, and, and obviously didn't really want to be there, obviously wanted to f- follow his pal out and fell a lot to Coyster, but he had to stay on and, and, and you know, uh, hold the reins, if you like. But uh, I, I, got, I got a call one night completely out of the blue from Goffey. Um, it was after the... the Rangers had got uh, drew away at Cowden Beath, 0-0. I think that was uh, the first game of the new board, really. Um, and he just asked me what we're doing. And then he, he just said, would I contemplate, give it a thought of, you know, trying to help Rangers out and going into the end of the season or what may it be. Um, and he was, he wasn't funny. He was funny. For, I don't think he was, I think he was in America. He might have been in South Africa. I can't remember where he was. Um, and he says, anyway, we'll, we'll chat in the coming days. And I thought, wow. I thought, you know, I couldn't see that happening. But anyway, um, and I think I got a call on the on the, on the t- following Tuesday. Um, I think Ranger John at Home Queen of South, one each, and uh, he rung me up and asked me, you know, would I be willing to go and speak to speak to some of the board or whatever um, about maybe going into the end of the season? So I said, yeah, obviously. So it's, it's, oh, I mean, it was a it took me took the wind out of my sails, if I'm honest. But it was something obviously I was going to go and listen to. I think the next day, either Wednesday or Thursday, I went in and, and, and met John Gilligan. Um, he said, he, you know, he just you know, wanted to have a quick chat with me. I think, obviously, Goffey, Bomber, he spoke to John Brown, and I think he spoke to the gaffer, Walter, and they'd all recommended me, uh, you know, to go in, um, which, you know, I think you know, he spoke to me for about an hour. I went away. I, again, didn't speak finances that... I mean, I'd have paid Rangers to, to go manage them at that time, you know. So it wasn't that anything to do with that. It was just the opportunity to go in and, and try to help, really, because I, I knew the, you know, the disharmony there at the club. Um, although the old board had gone, and you know, let me state for straight away, if the old board had still been there, I would never have gone anywhere near it. Even though, you know, to to go manage Rangers, it would have been hard to to knock back. But you know, it was because it was a new a new board, the supporters behind them. Um, didn't agree about what had happened with the old board and I wouldn't have thought for a second ever to go work for them. So, um, yeah, I went, I, I, I decided to go in, I think, next day. Um, the first call I got, 
I was in the office. I'd run Kenny, drove up straight away. We took the training the day after. Um, again, I don't even think we'd signed the contracts or anything. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't anything about that. Um, but I remember sitting in the manager's office working, training out, and I got a phone call. And somebody said, um, Walter's on the phone. I think the first words the gaffer said to me, do you know what you're effing letting yourself in for? <laughs> and just started laughing. And, you know, it was, it was like that. But um, in all my time, I think, what was that? I've been in the game you know, 35 years. It was probably the lowest morale I've ever been in a dressing room or a, a football club. Um, you know, the, 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 so, the morale was so low. The atmosphere was so poor. Um, even likes of Jimmy Bell and the, the staff were walking around with the, you know, the, the chin down, the head down. Um, it, everything had been knocked out of the club. You know, the, the pride of it. The, certainly the, the supporters had, you know, had lost any, you know, support certainly for the players. The players had lost all confidence. The morale, as I said, was, was at the lowest I've ever known. So, um, yeah, I knew it was always going to be a, a difficult, but certainly one that, you know, was going to be a, an exciting challenge. And, you know, the first day I walk out on the training ground and I'm saying to Kenny, look, you know, there's, there's six guys out there digging the park up, what's going on? And you no, know, they're grounds people, they're groundsmen. Because we used to drive to Motherwell and train on, you know, local parks. Next minute, all this water's going on and I thought something was sprung a leak. But no, they have, you know, they have the proper drainage systems and, that. and you know, the, the training facilities and everything about the, you know, Pomori Park was was chalk and cheese to what I've been used to. But it was, it was it was brilliant. You can walk out from the office and watch the training going on or whatever it may be. So, you know, all them were positives coming into a... But coming into the, the environment, you know, was was the hardest thing. And then straight away, we, we had to sort of change the environment and the, and the belief and try to get the fans back on side with the players and get the club. Because we still had, a, you know, an aim to, you know, to get out of the league. And then, you know, I, I remember the first game the day after... We went out and battered Livingston, won all. Um, and in fairness, it wasn't very good. We weren't very good and probably a draw was all we deserved. The, the Tuesday night, we're at home to Alloa, 29,000. I mean, normally I was there at Ibrox when it was full. Um, again, battered, battered the Alloa to all. You know, it, was, it wasn't the start we were after. I think we'd had, I don't know, 25 shots on target. They had two. Scored with the only two. You know, and that was now Rangers had gone five, you know, consecutive draws and as much as me and Kenny wanted to take the ground running and get everything upbeat, it was flat. It was down. Um, it was depressing. You know, we you know we had some good players there, but just absolutely shot in confidence um, going into training. And you know that that was our job, myself and Kenny and the staff, Gordon Jury and, and Big Jim Stewart and all the staff that played was to lift the players day to day on the training ground, so then they could go give the best out on a, on a Saturday. And you know the. the the biggest game in getting us to, to the playoff final was, was the game on the following Sunday up at Hibs. And, you know, we, I think the, the three games that we played at Hibs that season, we've been beaten on aggregate 9-1. We were on the back of, as I said, drawing five games. The, the atmosphere was, was pouring. And we, we worked really hard on the training ground that week. We, we changed the system. I didn't think going to, to with two centre-halves um, at open space of Easter Road. So we went to three at the back. You know, because in, in Big Zaliukas, uh, Billy and, and Jig, Lee McCulloch, none of them, although decent players, had, you know, lots of pace. So we put them in a back three and put, you know, McGregor one wing back and Waldo the other wing back. And we went there and, and, and got a, a, a fantastic 2-0 victory. And that just seemed to change the mood. Of the, I remember coming off the supporters, the players clapping the supporters, and for the first time in a long time, actually feeling good about themselves. And we managed to get a little bit of momentum for a little while. And, you know, it, 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 it was challenging. But the, the main thing was to try to change the mentality about them. You know, try to improve the confidence, build on things on the training park. That's all we could do. Obviously, we can't bring players in because the deadline's finished. And it going back to getting the best out of what you've got. And, you know, we, we, we did that to our absolute maximum, I felt. Sure, you've talked about it a lot um, with regard to the atmosphere and, and working hard on the training ground. Of your first five games, we, we get, obviously, the, the couple of draws you've talked about, the Hibs victory. Then we, we go to, um, we, we have Cowden Beef victory and then Hart victory at home and, and yeah. things are kind of on upward spiral. 
but comes quickly crashing down with um, a, a bad night at, at Queen yeah. of the South. Did that underline to you just how difficult and and did that maybe with, without being disrespectful to that squad and did that really kind of hit home to you like what you were dealing with in terms of quality and and how big a job Rangers face because let's be honest here I mean you were on it as a supporter at the time as season ticket holder I always felt you were on a wee bit of a hiding to nothing because that we had been through so much from the boardroom and, and on the pitch that season that that you there was only so much that you could do on that night in Queen of the South did, did it hit home a wee bit and and what did you think in terms of you know going forward where where could we go and, and how could you then having lifted the boys a wee bit in your first five games how could you then go on to do it again yeah but I think that, that's part of it that's that's probably my upbringing about making of myself as a person that there's no good sort of crying about what you can't change and what you can't affect and going in there and saying, well, maybe we lack here or maybe that's that. And But you look at the squad, we've got some decent players, some good players, confidence is low. And as you say, you start to, you need to get momentum. The two draws at home went great, but then we had two visits. And the, and the game against Hearts, I mean, Hearts had won this, the title with, with six or seven games to go this season, which was embarrassing enough for a club like Rangers. For, the, for us to clap them on and it was a decision I, I got asked about I think it was the right thing to do because they won the league so we clapped them on but we said the players we don't kick them off but we go and try to football them off and out football them and we're playing against the heart side as I said they would absolutely run away with the league they were a really good side and, and we you know we're tuning a lot going into half time and big uh, big jig gets sent off right on the, the, the half time whistle so we, we then go and play the second half with 10 men but managed to hold on to 2-1 and the support, the atmosphere in the in the ground that day was fantastic. Everyone, it was like getting the Rangers back a little bit. You know, people were really behind the players. They saw the effort they were giving. So, yeah, you could point to things and again say, oh, this is a negative, that was a negative. But at that stage, you're on a, and this just shows you how quickly football can bring you crashing back down to earth. Because as you say, we go to Queen of South, we get beat 3-0 in an embarrassing performance. Um, but it was the only game in the, in the 10 that we do get beaten. It was the only game we, we, we lost in the, in the league season. But it was then how quickly we can, we can bounce back after it. No good looking at it, as I, I take your point. And, and I know there were a lot of negativity about, about at the time, especially after that defeat. But we had no time as a staff to be negative and to be downbeat and to, to fall into the, the sort of the morale and the lowness and everything. It was our jobs and our duty to try to lift everybody and galvanise people and, and still have that aim of still trying to get out of the league. So, yeah, I, I understand. Listen, I've got lots of pals who have been to support to go home and away with them, and they were really disillusioned at the time. But I couldn't afford to feel like that. I had to be the one, the leader of trying to galvanise things. And it was a challenge, but it was one that I enjoyed. And, you know, even like, I remember going to Dumbarton and, um, again, you look and think, well, yeah, we, but we, we had, I think Ryan Hardy played, Tom Walsh, we murder in the middle of the park. We had three young boys there, which could have gone to be the future of the club, you know, in, in years to come. Good players. I think Ryan got two goals that day, and we, we go win at Dumbarton 3-1, and, you know, we, we, we're still doing, we're still doing okay, you know, for, for what we've got. With confidence is coming. We've got Miller and Clark up front, who are looking a little bit of a combination. Big Harris for kitchen's coming to sign and started scoring goals. Um, yeah, we we had those moments. We drew at Livingston. We drew at home at Falkirk, and but then I think we went away to Hearts the last game of the season again. They, you know, won the league by about twenty odd points, and we go two 0 up there. I think Richard Foster came back for us that day. He'd been out injured at fullback, and with about eight minutes to go, Big Lee McCullough, captain side. I mean, I inherited a team that were doing down in morale, but also I inherited McCullough Boyd. Kenny Miller and Lee Wallace, yeah, four lads who had actually had great careers at Rangers and done well and were hurting. You know, boy, did his confidence was shot to bit, but he still wanted to do. Lee McCullough were getting some really, you know, bad stick from the punters and and, and whatever it may be, the press. But he, he wanted to do everything. He trained like everything he could to be the best he could. So there were still players in that dressing room. And it hurts to be said they don't care because like St Miller and Wallace, you know, and, and like I said, the lads have mentioned, they did care, 
But I remember bringing Lee McCulloch home with eight minutes to go because, you know, 10 minutes to go, 15 minutes, I can't remember it was, because Richard Foster, had, he, he was cramping up, he'd just come back. And uh, unfortunately, we end up losing two goals in the last six minutes. Nothing to do with, with Big Lee at all. But again, it was it was a target, and you know. But that day, we knew Hibs had already were winning at Falkirk three 0 So you know, even if we'd have won at Hearts, we wouldn't have finished second. But we'd gone there, and we showed that we we were playing against a side twenty points ahead of us. We're two in a lot with eight minutes to go. We have to make a substitution. Unfortunately, lose two late goals. But you know, so we still had enough in the group at the time. We still had enough good players if we could re-energize them and give them a bit of confidence and believe. And in the same time, getting the link between the fans and the people in the park. Because no matter what you say, they, are, they can be a 12-man, certainly hybrids, any supporters can throughout the world. But if you've got player, fans that are backing you and supporting you and really behind you, it, it can take you a long way. The first two, two key rounds of, of the playoffs this year, obviously you win didn't come in the south and then draw Ibrox to get through. The Hibs yeah. game at Ibrox was probably one of the best games that the Rangers fans saw at home that, that season. And even though you then go and lose at Easter Road, that, that then gets yeah. you through. You can you talk us through those those four games and what, what can you shape with you in, okay, physically yeah. and mentally, and then heading into the uh, the final against Mother that we'll get to in a second? Yeah, well, there was two ways to look at that when we finished third. Obviously, and we saw Hibs then went away, re-energised. They went away, we saw certain videos of them away, and I think it was, I don't know if it was La Manga or Marbella somewhere, the, the sun on the backs, relaxing. And then we had to go and play two difficult games against Queen of the South. Not only physical, but mental, the, the, the pressure that was on the players. Um, and we obviously we head down to the Queen of the South and, and come back with it after getting beat there 3-0 and, and you know the plastic pitch and everything. To come back with, with two and was, was, was a great result, but only halfway. Uh, halfway stage, but then to come out, you know, against them, I think it was forty-eight thousand. So we'd gone from having twenty-nine thousand against Alloa to having another twenty thousand there in almost a full house again, Queen of the South, and in a and, and a really nervy game. But we managed to see us get ourselves over the line, one all, and we we go through, and then we come to play Hibs, and you can look at both ways. Hibs hadn't had any competitive football maybe for ten days. We've had two tough games. So you try to spin it that we're ready, we've got lots of belief and confidence, we've been backed by a fantastic crowd and we come out at home and, you know, the performance was, was good but the atmosphere was, was tremendous. And that's, you know, again, I think one, one paper reported it that, you know, I, I says, you know, the performance was that good, it gave me goosebumps, which I didn't, I says the atmosphere inside the ground gave me goosebumps because that night, against Hibs. Kenny Miller got a fantastic goal. We win 2-0. Again, this is against a side that previously, the, the three games early on in the season, we, we'd lost 9-1 to in aggregate. And we're there beating them 2-0. And, you know, we still, again, knew going to Easter Road. We'd had a, that's three games we've had. They've only had one. And we went and played the same system we did at Easter Road as we did in the game previously, 5-3-2. We sat in. We defended well. Had a little bit of luck as you need. And then, it was disappointing to lose a last-minute goal, but job done. We'd got through the playoff final. And that was probably the only time I don't really show emotion a lot as a manager. Never has done until I'm actually in the, you know, assigned to your own dressing room. But it was the only time you know, I really sort of, you know, um, showed emotion and celebrated with the supporters with a, a fist pump. I've still got that picture to today um, because it was a proud moment. I had a lot of my family in the in the in the in the fans behind the goal, the Hibs had restricted the supports to only a little small section, um, trying to use every advantage they could. But to know that we were sending them fans home and the fans back there happy in the thing that they've, they've got a team that you know have really come to the fore and done their best and going forward towards a Motherwell game was something to look forward to. Yeah, it's perhaps okay, written in the stars that as Motherwell that you end up playing in that uh, playoff final. Also, the home game doesn't go to plan. You end up losing 3-1. Darren McGregor's late goal gives Rangers a wee bit of hope. Yeah. Did you still believe going to Firth Park that it was it was possible? Um, and then, obviously, talk us through the uh, the Firth Park game. There's the Cammy Bell mistake. There's been a little motion at the end. There's Lee McCulloch, yeah. I think, get hit by a flagpole. It just all... that The way that 90 minutes unravelled kind of summed up Rangers, Rangers' fortunes and Rangers' season. Yeah, yeah, it did. But... To go back 
you know, to the to the original game. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an absolute nightmare scenario for myself. Um, you know, if we could play any other side by Motherwell, you know, I knew they'd been struggling. The week before, or two weeks before, they'd, they'd gone to St Mirren and got beat three 0 and you know, with a game to go, they, they, were, they knew they were going to be in the playoff spot. So they they, they came to Ibrox refreshed, but they also came to Ibrox with a, a really experienced side. You know, players like you know Lasley and Hamill, fantastic servants for the club, and then they had the ex Celtic players, Pearson, Big Mick McManus, who I'd brought to the club, um, McDonald. You know, allied with some other young players. So even though they they'd had a really poor season, they still had enough experience in the side that, you know, I think people were trying to make Rangers favourites at the time. But, you know, we, we um, when we went into that game, I think for the first, uh, I think the thing was, and we'd said to the staff, it was crucial. Motherwell didn't have a good, uh, good away record at Ibrox. And also that season, they had a really poor away record in, in general. So it was crucial that we didn't have to win the tie there and that night, or we didn't have to, you know, three or four nil. But we, you know, the first goal was going to be vital because if we get the first goal, naturally you'd think the lads had a lot of experienced players have been Ibrox for Laz and Hammy. I've been manager them when we got beat six 0 once, and um, you know you don't have many positive memories when you've gone there and not done well. So it was crucial to sort of get the first goal, and and you know people talk about what defines careers, management careers, playing careers. You know, I, I was on the bench for the England under twenty ones and two seconds away from getting on, and I didn't. And ended up going on and having playing 40 catch for Scotland. So little things can define things. But that season for me, personally, not Rangers as a whole, you know, in the 10 games I'd had and then the playoff games, was defined in a 20-minute spell. Because for the first half an hour up to half an hour, I think Motherwell had been in our 18-yard box once. We controlled the game without looking really dangerous. Lawsy had a shot, I think. Some Kenny Miller had bent one just wide. But we were in control in charge of the game and... We just needed to be a bit more, you know, dynamic in the last third. And then lo and behold, Lee Irwin breaks away, young lad who I'd give his debut to at the beginning of the season when I managed Motherwell, and hits a tame shot which deflects off big Darren uh, McGregor and loops over Cammy Bell. And just when you need a little bit of luck to go for you, which we'd had in previous games, that went against us. So you, you, you won, they'll have to sort of, not dominating the game, but controlling the game, being in charge of the game, not looking under any threat, to then getting to, I think it was 29 minutes to score, then, and we up to then, and we got a bit nervy, the crowd got edgy naturally, the players got a little bit edgy, Motherwell came more into it, um, and then just on half-time, just as we're saying to the staff, right, we're getting there, the message is we come out, and then it's a, a wide free kick, a silly free kick to give away, and McManus rises all alone from a way out to head it in, and 2-0 going at half-time, which actually, you know, was like putting a, a pin in a balloon. The atmosphere was just sank. It was, I don't think we got booed off, but you imagine walking into the dressing room, the morale, the despondency, the lift Motherwell had scoring on half-time. But again, it messes one. You, you know, you, again, nothing, we, we can't affect what's just happened. We've got another 45 minutes and 90 minutes to go and change it. So let's go out there, be positive, be on the front foot, and let's go get back into this game. And then obviously, as we know, two minutes in the game, counter-attack, Lionel Lane's with another kid I'd brought to the, the, the club on peanuts, really. Um, bargain basement signing, scores a, a wonder goal for them. And, and Motherwell have now sat 3-0 up in a 20-minute spell, and basically the tie's over. So, yeah, you can look back on different things. You know, it wasn't the first leg that killed us. It was a 20-minute spell where we'd lose three goals. We come back, Darren scores one. We have two or three great chances to make it 3-2 before the end. Um, but we come in 3-1. Yeah, rightly written off um, to, to build the lads up again for the, the final game. But also going in, in the knowledge that, again, the first goal's key. If we get the first goal at Fir Park, then we're back in it. We're back in it. I bring Boydie back in the team. We've got Boydie and Kenny Miller up front. We've got millions of goals in the careers and certainly for Rangers. Um, and for a lot of the early part of the game, we're on top. We just can't get a goal. Um, but then, as we say, we go in and I think the second half, you know, again, we're coming at half-time level. We look to go out. We, we need a goal. We know we need a goal. We've got to take chances. You know, you might as well go out you know, losing, trying to win the game. Um, but unfortunately, Cammy 
just stumbles. Oh, it's an error, but it's, it's, it's unfortunate. It's not a, a glaring mistake. He, he stumbles and he, he falls and the goal goes in. But in fairness, you know, we huffed and puffed. Did we look like scoring? No. So I, I won't put any blame at Cammy's doorstep. It was an unfortunate error. But were we back in the game? Were we hammering on the door to, to get another goal? I don't think so. In realistic terms, Motherwell were quite comfortable holding us off. We were doing everything we could. We had wide men on. Um, we've put Walsh on for Ferg, uh, Ferguson, who come back from injury. Um, you know, we try to put attacking boys on the park, and then, you know, it, it ended up being a, a result. You know, that looked far worse than what we wanted naturally. But at the end of the day, the the, the, the ambition, the aim to to get back into the Premier League, you know, had dissolved. And the aftermath of that, obviously, the big the big Mosney thing was, you know, wasn't great. Um, you know, it was just a horrendous, a really desperate way to finish the season for Rangers as a whole, the supporters, which they'd had a, you know, they hadn't had many high times. Personally, for myself, I look back with a lot of pride on certain things and where we got to, um, but we just couldn't get over that final hurdle. And uh, you know, the twenty-minute spell at Ibrooks against Motherwell for me sort of, you know, was was a killer to the to to the season. Do you, do you think those two Motherwell games cost you the chance to be Rangers manager full-time and, and beyond the end of that campaign? Or do you think it was never really a, you know, a chance? It always seemed to be between yourself or Rangers then, honestly, going in and bringing a manager in. The board decided to go with Mark yeah. Walton. How, how difficult was that used to hear? Or did you kind of think it was it was on the cards and the, and the new board? Yeah, I've, I've, no, I'll be totally honest. I mean, I, nobody can say, um, and I, don't, I would be only guessing, but... Um, I certainly think if we'd have got to the Premiership, you know, I would have had a, a, a decent chance. But I think I had, a, I had an interview the day after, actually, the, the, the Motherwell um, game at Fir Park with Paul Murray and another, uh, another member of the board. And, yeah, you know, the, I think, I know Paul certainly was, was really grateful in the, the efforts we'd done, myself and Kenny, and we got the club so close after coming in at a stage where people thought the, the season was dead and buried and, we believed that we'd got the best out of what we'd had um, with the players and the, and everything connected to the club. And, you know, a lot of it makes me really proud. A, that I, I was a Rangers manager. I wasn't an interim. I was I was given the job as Rangers manager. And I was proud that every minute I walked into that club and um, every every time we, you know, we, 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 we went on that pitch and I was a manager. But even, even going into the season, you know, going in, in, into the close season, I think whoever was going to come in at Rangers, it was going to be a really fresh start for them. Ten of the lads or twelve of the boys' contracts were up, and probably like Mark did, you know, looking at it and looking ahead, Kenny Miller would would have been the only one that, yeah, I, I, we would have offered a contractor, which I think was the case with Mark. But it, whoever was going to come in, it was going to be a great fresh start for them. It was going to be a new beginning, you know, like I say, a dozen players leaving, you know, some of the younger boys coming up. I had high hopes with for Wee Murdoch. Walsh, Ryan Hardy, you know, to start pushing, especially in the championship level, so that they could get the ground in there and, and play lots of football and hopefully, you know, to get promotion that way. Um, but even even in the close season, you know, I, I got a call from from uh, from, from Gordon Strachan um, five or six days after it, saying to me, right, you know, bearing in mind I had to I had to leave Scotland, um, Gordon and. You know, I spoke to Gordon and got offered the Rangers job halfway through the Scotland campaign and he said to me, listen, you know, we'll see what happens. If you get the job in the summer, great. If you don't, then you can maybe come back. So he rung me after it and he invited me back in, which I thought was a great gesture. You know, I'd, I'd left them, gone and played, gone and managed Rangers for two or three months and he's invited me back to, to, to the Scotland fold. And, and lo and behold, we were up at um, my hall and... Uh, Dave King had flown over and he was staying at my hall and I went and had a, a, a two-hour meeting with Dave King to, to, to sort of put my thoughts across for the new manager, what he should be looking at in terms of players, in terms of where they go about, in terms of strategy and I had a real good, good honest chat with him and I, I came away from there and, you know, there was still, there were, even in the press, it was, you know, they were running out of options really, I think. And I might, have, I might have even still got the job on default because, you know, they were in the championship. There were any, lots of managers that would have been there if Rangers got in the Premier, I would imagine. But they were still in the championship. It was still going to be a difficult job for somebody. But 
you know, the people that were getting targeted and highlighted, they weren't coming about, you know, some foreign managers and coaches. So in the end, you know, it, it was looking. And there was one stage, Mark, I believe Mark Warburton, he had chats with Sheffield Wednesday. He was going to go to, there was a chance that we might go to Burnley. Um, apparently, the rumour was, you know, Dick Advocat was going to leave Sunderland. Deitch was possibly going up to Sunderland. Mark Warburton was probably going to war. Because at the time, I think Mark, you know, wanted to stay in England. And I think without, obviously, David Weir's influence, you know, to bring him up to Scotland, probably wouldn't have happened. But obviously, David, um, knowing what a, such a fantastic institution and club ranges are, you know, you know emphasised to Mark what, a, what an opportunity it would be. So in the end, when the news came through, was I surprised? Not for one second. Was I disappointed? Not really. Because I, I, realistically, you know, the, the, the playoff um, defeat would have done me a lot of damage. But it wasn't a negative. I never looked back on it and thinking people said, oh, do you regret taking that? Because maybe if you'd have took it and got a chance at the end of the season and um, not spoil it. But no, I don't. I don't regret it for one second. I was the proudest person ever to play for Rangers as many times as I did and to manage a football club. Hey, come on. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fairy tale stuff. Obviously, just never got to do what I would have been so proud to do. But looking back, yeah, we, we galvanised the club again. We got the supporters back on side. We got them coming back to watch the team. And we failed at the final final hurdle. And, you know, look back again, what would you do things different? If I look at the sides we picked against Motherwell, how we went out about the game. And probably, you know, looking back at it, I can't really pinpoint anything, no. Motherwell, certainly Ibrox defended well, took the chances when they came about. They probably on paper had a far better side than us when you look at the experienced team they had. So, um, I believe we did as possibly well as we could. I still think we had a good opportunity to get to the Premier League, but um, we, we didn't. And, and ultimately, I, I paid the price for it, but um, not for one second would I change a thing from saying yes to, to um, John Gilligan when, we, when he offered me a job the months prior to it. No, it was um, great times for me, proud times, and uh, ones I would never look back on with any regret at all, other obviously than the playoff uh, defeat. Sure, if I could just um, say something here, there's a, a lot of questions from the fans when, when we said, you know, you were coming on and we asked guys and they were saying, you know, what could what would you have done differently? And, and you've answered everything. Is it possible to say this to you and not, and not, not sound bad, but to actually thank you for coming in in that position because Rangers were rock bottom. Before you came in a couple of weeks before, um, we we had we had um, we'd spoke with spoke to Dean Shields about this because he's been on the podcast. Rangers had been drubbed four 0 at Easter Road, and we were we were rock bottom. Um, everything that was going on off the pitch and you know struggles and and that team that we had for you to come in and, and stick your head above the parapet and, and take that job in that situation. I've got nothing but ad- admiration for you because it's it's not mean to sound bad it's not mean to sound but see from a fan's point of view I, I, I wasn't sure that you could do anything with that squad but I, th- I think you really did do the best you could have and to hear you say that you had a sense of pride and, and the way you spoke about it there is it's it's actually brilliant it, I don't really know what to say do, do you know what I'm kind of trying to say yeah I, I get I get asked a lot of the time about it you know and as I said before it's just mm. No regrets whatsoever about it. Um, I knew, listen, I knew it was going to be hugely challenging. And as soon as I walked through the doors, the first two days of training, I knew what a job we had on his hands because of the morale, as I said. In 35 years of being at football clubs, I'd never known. And it hurt me. I knew from pals and supporters, you know, that it, it, got, it got low. But I think what hurt more is to see your, your, your team, your club, have and, and the disparity between the, the supporters and the players, you know, and I understood that, I got that, but the players needed in some way getting them, because we had decent players, but when you're players with no confidence, you, you know where, a lot of the lads, you know, were frightened to even have to go out on the pit, you could see, but once the, the games got going and we had the decent results and there was a pride in the shirt again and it was a bit more bubbly, that sort of, energise myself as well as much as anything and I can go back to certain games coming off pitches and, 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 and being proud and seeing the supporters there seeing my pals in the, and my family in the crowd and thinking we're doing we're doing okay here likewise on the other side I feel so 
guilty and that we let everyone down in the final hurdle. And uh, but as a whole, it was you know, it was a, an absolute honour to be asked. Um, I, as I say, I'm so sorry we couldn't do what we tried to do, but um, you know, no, no regrets and just pride really. You make an important point about getting the fans on side. I was at Easter Road that day when the Rangers managed to win 2-0 and you came up to the fans and things like that. And I think that's the first point um, since 2012 that we, we certainly felt that it was getting back to, to, to where we, we should be. Um, do you, looking back on that and looking back on, on your spell at Rangers, and obviously you talked about the marble staircase and things like that, how different was it being Stuart McCall manager to Stuart McCall player and, and under them circumstances? I've always, I've always said, you know, the next best thing, obviously, to playing is managing. There's no doubt about that. But it can be frustrating a manager. You're still, you're still picking a side. You're still doing the tactics. You're making substitutions at halftime or whatever. So you've got a massive influence. But it sometimes can be frustrating that you can't actually be on the park and doing certain things that you would like. I think, as I said before, you know, leadership in football now throughout, you know, in the world, you know, you go back 10, 15 years and you look at the sides then, uh, don't get me wrong, there's some world-class players now, the players, the ability, the quality is probably far better, but the actual characters and the leadership um, is different. You know, sometimes as a player or as a manager, you would actually like to be on the in the thick of it and leading out on the park and getting your hands dirty if you like because you do feel as though you're having a massive impact obviously not range because I couldn't you know bring players in but your recruitment as I said before as a manager is huge so you, you got your impact you, you mould your team you mould the way you want to play you, you, the environment for me creating an environment that everybody wants to come to the club from the you know the groundsman to walk in in the morning from, from everybody that comes to the football club wants to get in there for the players when it's wind, rain, hail, whatever they want to go in, they want to learn they want to improve and they ultimately want to succeed that's a, the, the challenge for the manager and that's part I love doing um, but it can be frustrating when you can't be out in the park so the difference, hey listen the, 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 me managing still walking in there, still putting a Rangers track so on to go out on the training ground it's filled me with immense pride you know, walking out and leading, you know, the, the, the team out, whoever it may have been in the dugout. Um, can't match it as a player, naturally. Um, but it comes a, you know, a close, close second. You've had, um, since leaving Rangers, you've had spells at Bradford and Scunthorpe. And you're now back at Bradford as um, as manager um, for, a, for a third time. We're in completely unprecedented situation now obviously with what's going on about the world and things like that how are you, how are you coping as as manager and how do you look after your players and and you know how, how do you how do you manage because we don't know what's going to happen we don't know anything about leads you you know everything's up in the air so how are you dealing with this um, situation that's that's ongoing yeah, yeah, just just like everybody, really, we're all in the unknown, aren't we? Not just football, but the you know the whole world itself, and we're just governed by the government and and everything that goes along with it. But um, first and foremost, prior to the to obviously the horrendous virus that swept the world, um, I was delighted to get back into the in, into the game, and certainly at Bradford, when I uh, when I'd left and and come back to Bradford the first time, again we we had almost but not quite in playoffs um, got to the final against Millwall against all odds again I think we had a mid-table budget and you know got to the playoff final and if VAR had been in, in there we, we probably might have gone all the way because Millwall had the goal that was offside but not that bitter but I always got about that um, but yeah and then obviously not so good at the time at Scunthorpe but to get back at Bradford was, was good um, and again it's a huge job it's, it's really you know they're, they're in the bottom level again Um not great finances, but it's about doing the best you can with the resources. And you know, we've got nine games to go whether the season finishes, which I think it, I think it might do. Um, when that is, we don't know. But there's so many the, the finances, the loans, the contracts, how it will be done. Um, here and now, I think down here it definitely should finish. Up in Scotland, north of the border, it should, definitely should be null and void. Um, I'm only saying that tongue in cheek, but uh, we all well, agree with you. It's all right. We all agree. <laughs> but no, I think in, in, in the fairness, certainly down here, we definitely. Uh, I think the, the idea would be 
some way, but we don't know the length. So if it does go on too long, it's how long do we wait? But I, th I think the majority would like to finish the season, without a doubt. We've got nine games to go. We're four points out of the playoffs. Um, I probably don't think we're good enough, um, but you never know. Again, it's getting out the best. We're going to have a, a pre-season with the players, which we've not had. Because when we go back, whenever we go back, we're going to have probably three or four weeks, or two, three, four weeks to get them up and running and get his ideas in, which, which should be good. And then we've got nine games. But next season is the one we've got to be looking to build on probably and hopefully have a crack at uh, getting back up, up the leagues a little bit. But um, from a personal point of view, um, loving being back in the game. Certainly at a club, obviously, I've got fond memories about. But it's when you've been in football all your life, to get out on the training ground is what I love. Working with players, trying to you know get the best out of what we've got, creating environments and all that. And uh, you know that's what, what I'll enjoy doing um, until I come out of the game again. We obviously um, wish you all the best and we'll be keeping an eye on um, Bradford uh, scores. It's funny, something we spoke about on the last pod about the testimonial ever since going down there. Strangely, I've got, um, I do keep an eye on the Bradford results, but um, certainly look forward to it now that you're back there. What I would ask you just before we, we round this up, Stuart, what do you think of the job that Stephen Gerrard's done now and, and how far do you think that we are from um, making that next step and getting solved away and things? Well, it's like anything in football, isn't it? Fine lines. You know, if you ask this question at, at Christmas time, you know, you know, Stephen Derrick enough plaudits. For me, I still think, yeah, he's a, we talk about leaders. Yeah, he'd not had that. when he came in, when Stephen came in, I was, I was very pro it. I, I was thinking it was a good move. I've got to say that now. I still do. Um, because what he would do would drive standards, be it on the training ground, be it in the dressing room. He's almost managed Liverpool for the time he was there the last few years. As a captain, as a leader, you're actually managing almost. Obviously, you're not making tactical decisions. Having said that, you know, you're the manager when you're out on the pitch. So I had no doubt about the level he would, or the standards he would set for the footballers, for the players, for the club. And I think he does that day in, day out. I think even going back to last season, you know, I was at the game. Rangers beat uh, Celtic just before the split, the last game that split the, the, the break, the winter closed down. And then we go and get Davis and Defoe. And I thought, great signings, two fantastic professionals. Unfortunately, come back, they don't get in the side, they don't, it doesn't materialise. We, we have poor form. This season, we managed to get Kent in. We get, I know the boy Aribos come up and get goals. I know him from time down here against Charlton. Um, the signing look, signings look good. We've got a good hard nucleus of players in there that know what it's like now um, to be involved. Uh, and then, yeah, this season, fantastic European run again. But we get to, to, to Christmas with not only a great result at, uh, at Parkhead, but a fantastic performance. You know, because sometimes you can win games and you can sneak them and you think, nah, we've still got a long way to go. I think that day you looked, yeah, we're not only a match for Celtic, we're more than a match on that, on that game's performance and the season up to then. But don't get me wrong, everyone's we're writing Celtic off. Celtic had only lost, dropped points, I think, at Livingston. Celtic have still got, a, or still did have a really good side and a good squad. So, but I think the belief came from how well Rangers were doing. Since then, probably Stephen, certainly me, probably nobody would be able to give you an answer how come the wheels have fallen off. You know, you can point to lots of things. In fairness to Celtic, they've they've just carried on. They've their form has been unbelievable. Their forms has been as good as 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 bad as our form has been. Theirs has been good. Ours has been rotten. Morelis, you know, you point fingers at him, but all over the team, the defence now, and it's just it's just really hard to think how things can go from being so good to being so poor again. But what I would say is, you know, this season for me was always going to be one that we would absolutely do as maximum, you know, to win the league. But next season, yeah, of course, it sounds silly saying that. This season, we would have wanted to win it. But if we're going to give Stephen three years, you know, next season is the one. And they need to come back out of this for how many games they're going to play, if they are going to play it, and finish so strongly. Win the last seven, eight games, whatever it may be, um, and finish really strong. Yeah, listen, it's Celtic are going to have to have an amazing, you know, 
collapse, which I don't think anyone would see, would, would see happening. Um, so between now and the end of the season, if the games get played, it's about Rangers winning as many games as they can, rebuilding the confidence, rebuilding the faith with the squad and the players and the fans, because a lot of these players have been brought for, the, for, for um, a couple of seasons, not just brought from this season, they're brought for next. So they need to regain their belief, their quality, their confidence back. And they've got to do that in the, to the end of the season because next season is going to be the biggest. And uh, we're all aware of that. Um, do I think Steven Gerrard's the right man? Yes, I do. Um, I think, again, you can point at different things. but And it's easy now being a manager saying our oh, players take responsibility. I'd like to think when I look back as a player and we had, were poor, I would always try, and, and, and Flack was fine at the gaffer, I would always probably say, look at us first and foremost, look at your players. It's down to players. Yes, it's down to manager, I know, to formations and, and recruitment and getting the best out of players. But how we can go from being so good and playing so well in certain games to then being how we are at the moment, the players have got to have a long look at themselves. But also the fans have got such a huge part to play again. We can't just decide to chuck it in these players and, and, and we've got to go out as supporters and stay together and um, and build on what looks like going to be a, a disappointing end to the season if it does get finished, to then putting every energy, ounce of effort, togetherness and support for next season and come together and, and show what Rangers Football Club's all about. Stuart, I would just like to um, take this opportunity to thank you. You've given up a good few hours this morning to to record um, the, the podcast and, and to tell us your story about your playing days. Um, you're quite rightly in the Hall of Fame as a legend of our club. Um, it's been a privilege having you on, a privilege speaking to you. Thanks very much for coming on. Absolutely loved it, lads. Thanks ever so much for inviting me. It's always good to reminisce, especially about Rangers and the great days we had and hopefully many more to come. Thanks very much. So also a huge thanks to um, our host for today, Chris Jack. Chris, how did you enjoy that? Uh, I will give it an argo, Wendy. Usually I'm just the one that uh, sits in the background. I'm just the uh, ideas man that comes up with the phone numbers and some of the questions. So uh, nice to have a, just have a short drive on it if I change. But um, they really good to catch up with Stuart. Somebody I've got a lot of time for. He's always been really good to, uh, to deal with in a uh, professional capacity. So great to get a, uh, to get a chat and uh, to, to hear some of his, his stories. Yeah, his stories over both of them have been brilliant. So it's a huge thanks to Stuart and a huge thanks to, to Chris, obviously, for coming on. Um, also, a huge thanks always to, to Stuart Franklin over at Jersnet. He's the one that edits and, and makes us sound good and the, the usual gets us this all done and available for you guys to listen to. Also, a thanks to our sponsors, Kenny's Crazy Costumes, who is the, the Fiend TV on Twitter. Go give him a wee follow. And also the Custom Kitchen Factory guys, um, I know Ali and that over there, they do a great job and, and they're standing by us during this time and helping us and they'll they'll continue to be our sponsors um, over the, the course of next season and things like that. Um, get yourself on to Four Lads of Dream on, on Twitter um, and, and Chris Jack um, as well and, and let us know you're enjoying these, let us know who you would like to hear from and, and we'll try and get them on. All we can do is ask and we do ask, we've asked all the big names, we've, we've told them, you know, can you come on and we'll, we'll keep asking. We'll just, I think we'll just keep testing them and we'll just keep doing our best to get them on. But thank you for listening. This has been the Four Lads of Dream podcast. Until next time, no nonsense, they are relevant and the noise. Ready is relentless. Ready is fearless. Ready is fearing no foe. Ready for the next level? Renew your season ticket now and support Rangers into season 2021. Prices are frozen for next season and the renewals deadline is extended. Visit rangers.co.uk slash renew to secure your season ticket today. Always Rangers. Always loyal.